0: Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Serhati Nelson. On October 23rd, our podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at the Comedy Café Berlin. That was the site of the first ever Podfest Berlin, a festival which brought together a variety of local podcasts under one roof. This episode is an edited version of the Common Ground session. As you can see, we have a live audience here and they're very enthusiastic, which we very much appreciate. Our Common Ground episode today is also unprecedented with our first ever Stammtisch. It's a long-standing tradition for Germans to gather at their local taverns to catch up on local and other news, especially on weekend mornings for a or early pint. Today I'm doing a variation of this tradition that reflects the Berlin-based German-American heritage of common ground. Instead of beer, we will be serving the guests, who I will introduce shortly, mimosas with the regional bubbly called Rotkäppchen, named for its red cap. And I'm going to ask Dina to assist with that here because I'm behind a microphone and it's kind of hard for me to pour. Do
1: <laughs> you want me to pop that open for you? I'll, oh,
0: yeah, that's okay.
1: Yet.
0: Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> okay. The man who has now been introduced is going to pop the, the man pop the curtain. Woo, woo! And then Dina, we're kind of waiting on you to pour. <laughs> Sorry.
1: She's busy with social She's
2: media. <laughs> Like, a, clearly, yes. priorities are right. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> okay,
0: so and then you'll have to, yeah, hand them to us because we're sort of prisoners behind the mic. Some of us are anyway. So,
3: thank you. Please. Thank, thank you. you. Uh. So,
0: post everyone. Post and post to the audience yes, too. Yes. Cheers.
1: And we're being careful with our eye contact. Mm. <laughs>
0: that's, that was, <laughs> that's, that's, right, that's the right.
1: first lesson Ooh. when you arrive in Germany. Yeah. All right, yeah.
0: That's true. Now that we have our libation, let me introduce everybody. To my left is veteran American journalist Deborah Cole. And I can promise you no Boston native knows Berlin and Germany as well as this wire service correspondent for Agence France-Presse. Deborah first began working here in the 1990s, and she covers politics, economic news, culture, lifestyle, and Germany's confrontation with its troubled past. She's also a cinema lover, and regularly reports from the Berlinale and Cannes.
2: Welcome, Deborah. Thank you, nice to be here.
0: And immediately to my right is German comedian, filmmaker, and digital artist Georg Kammerer, also known as Georg FK. He's a former mayoral candidate here in Neukölln and has written and directed comedy segments for shows such as Brauser Ballett and Die Heute Show. His journalism experience includes writing columns for leftist papers like Neues Deutschland in Konkret. Welcome, Georg. Hi. And far to my left, um, I'd like to introduce the founder of this podfest, Daniel Stern, also known for his work with the beloved podcast, Radio Spätkopf. He's also a screenwriter, actor, stand-up comedian, and retired competitive eater, which I'm interested to hear more about. (laughs) Daniel describes his live performances as a manic, sweaty collage of anarchic wit, Ernest Confessions and Stories About Riding the Bus. Yes. Welcome, Daniel.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Great
0: and out there in the audience, and also pouring us drinks, uh, making sure we sound good, is Common Ground Senior Producer, Dina El-Sayed. Thank you, Dina. And last but not least, uh, certainly the the gentleman who was there with the headphone in the background making sure we all sound wonderful is Matt Brooks. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) Our first topic today is an economic one, one that is causing great concern for Germans, and that is inflation, which at the moment stands at 4.1%. That's the highest level here since 1993, and while maybe we're not seeing wheelbarrows of money being hauled away as we saw back uh, before World War II, it is of growing concern. Even beer isn't immune from inflation, with reports of an anticipated price increase next year of up to 50 cents per glass deborah
2: what 's going on and why well yeah this isn 't the, the, the funniest start to the uh, to the podcast it 's actually a, an almost tragic one, but um, yes, beer is in, in Germany is is about to get a lot more expensive, um, and uh, there are lots of reasons for that I mean it has to do with this kind of perfect storm of, of course, the pandemic and also uh, raw materials getting more expensive uh, is, energy prices, yes. Sorry, okay. is,
1: is this perfect storm of the pandemic meaning that everyone was drinking a ton during it?
2: Well, interestingly enough, apparently beer was not the thing that people were drinking, so uh-huh. beer sales went way, way down during the pandemic, which oh, so I,
3: everybody, like, learned how to make craft cocktails at home. <laughs> exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly. Everybody was doing the Stanley Tucci Negroni <laughs> and uh, and not drinking beer i mean i guess you know beer is a particularly convivial thing a lot of people like it on tap and you know it's a thing that you drink in in bars people weren't going to bars the bars were closed and so consumption was way way down and now it's way 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 back up and so so prices are increasing and then you have yeah energy prices and even the price of of hops has gone you know way up and things so so yeah so um inflation is a huge issue for germans and that's one way we're really seeing it
3: and we are adding to the problem by having Rotkäppchen-Sekt at a Stammtisch.
2: Instead of beer in we the morning, should. yeah.
3: Maybe maybe
1: there's like a supply, like if could could the government intervene to like install taps in people's homes? Thereby... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask
0: the, what he thought the Berlin response was yeah. going to be to this. That, do you think that's the option? Program? or The the thing, or should there be protests about this in the streets?
3: <laughs> um, I'm probably not the ideal person uh, to ask because I wasn't drinking much beer before the pandemic. I don't like beer particularly <laughs> is that one of the one of the many not so German things about me? I believe. Um, yeah, the Berlin solution. I mean, I don't know. They didn't say anything about Sternburg in the article. I think it's like three of the main breweries. So I think as long as Sternburg right, like like stay strong, Berlin is fine. I mean, I, okay. Like, so there's like the German solution
1: versus the Berlin solution. Cause those are two very different countries. Yeah. For uh, sure, right. I mean, we've got to like, so
0: Daniel, we'll ask you about the German oh, solution. Then. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. I
3: mean, <laughs> well, I have an answer. C- can I just, yes. I mean, I mean, the German solution is going to complain a lot and then just accept it. <laughs> 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 right. Well, don't we need like a, a robust medium sized
1: business infrastructure, uh, with cars to drive beer around everywhere is the sort of like, isn't that sort of the national economic response? <laughs> the local one is, yeah, uh, protests. And I mean, Back in the day, right, there's old Berlin where we would light cars on fire and that would solve it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then there's new Berlin where it's like a startup and like, you know, beer. Like, yeah, we keep beer in the fridge and like that's that's part of our brand. So like that's the new Berlin, I think, solution. (laughs) Does anyone here work at a startup? Does anybody have stuff in their fridge? (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone here have a job?
0: Wow! Um, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> this is comedy is new for these two journalists sitting here. So <laughs>
1: but, um, <laughs> at
0: least not intentional. We're comedy. here all week, sir. We're here all yeah. week, exactly. Um, at some
3: point, you just have to gag us if it's like. Yeah. So, you Daniel,
0: think? you were talking a bit about you know how Berlin is now versus the way it used to be when people lit cars on fire. So I'm wondering if you see the new federal government as dealing with the inflation and the beer issue, obviously, which is important. <laughs>
2: wow.
1: That is a question for someone uh, better read than I. My, I, I only, I only cover news up to the city level. Like I literally, I like I know, I know Merkel was in charge and now she's not.
2: Uh, she still is actually. Um,
1: you know, but I, I, is the new coalition? I mean, how bad is this inflation really? Like you said, there's no, there's no barrels full of money but then again like now we're allowed to use digital payment in the city which was illegal until i think about three years ago so it could be that they're just sort of digital wheelbarrows of, right you can oh, you yes. don't physically see it um it's on the blockchain right whatever that means <laughs> yes I, uh that's also in the startup uh right we have free beer and blockchain yeah um i feel like the big issue with inflation is panic right so my answer is yeah we're fine
0: Because we are not panicking. Right,
1: and then we solve (laughs) it. And then as long as we're all confident, inflation will not destroy our economy
0: well hopefully you're right we will come back for another episode if you're not so um but deborah actually he brought up something uh, daniel brought up something that was interesting and that was um you know people who know what's going on with the coalition and you certainly would be that person you and other uh, of our fellow journalists have been covering many press conferences more than you care to think about i'm sure during the struggle to form a federal government so what are the prospects for a coalition and will it be before angela mackle claims the title as the longest serving chancellor
2: mm. Well, it looks um, like things are going a lot faster than anyone expected. I mean, we were all sort of digging in for a hard winter of, you know, overnight talks and sitting in parked cars in front of, you know, um, various Congress centers where, they were gonna fight it out through the night and instead it's been this well-oiled machine. And I actually, right after the election, took my first trip to the States since the, the pandemic, thinking, okay, well, you know, they're just gonna be squabbling among themselves and come back and, you know, the thing's almost uh, in place. So, I mean, they have some some important things that they still need to work out, including who's going to be finance minister when we talk about the issue of, of inflation, but uh, I think they'll they'll work that out. And everything else is pretty much in this, you know, uh, preliminary agreement or, you know, look, heading towards a complex. So, they've said this week that they plan on electing Olaf Scholz, the current finance minister and uh, the Social Democrat candidate, um, as chancellor in the week of Nikolaus. So that's sort of the German pre-Christmas on December 6th. And so, you know, we, we journalists may be looking forward to a kind of quiet Christmas. Oh, that would be a first, I think.
0: <laughs> At yeah. least in the recent years. Gerich, but do you think this government can get anything done? I mean, as we've read in recent days, they can't even decide on where to sit next to each other in the Bundestag.
3: Oh, yeah, that that's a new thing even for Germany. Like, And it's essentially nobody wants to sit next to the Nazis. That's kind of <laughs> what it comes down to, right. which I understand it's a problem. But then on the other hand, currently the FDP, which is kind of the... like fiscally liberal, like, sort of borderline libertarian party. Oh, no, in, like, in American terms, that would be fiscally conservative, right? It's, like, <laughs> super you know, complicated. But they're called liberal in German because it just means they're, like,
1: yeah. The graphic design is, like, newer. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And they are also the one party that already attempted to collude with uh, the far-right AfD in a state parliament to, like, elect their candidate into... Um, office so I don't know I I think it's fine you know the seating kind of makes sense
1: yeah I feel like the move I if I were in this seating squabble would be not I don't want to sit next to the Nazis but I'm the one who will sit next to them to like glare and keep them in line you know like you can make this a political move by being like aggressive about it right it's sort of like the lunch table I don't know dude Do Germans have lunch tables no, probably not. This is a very really? American reference. But you've seen the films, right? The new kid has no one to sit with. I mean, we do
3: have lunch, and
1: we are using tables for it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you right. So it's like a tish, but
0: uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's a shtum tish. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Where everyone's welcome. So Daniel, let's continue with this vein of the American perspective. What do you think is going to work or not work with this new government?
1: Boy, I, I you keep throwing me these questions where I'm like supposed to have a smart answer, and I, everyone's looking at me like this is just dumb. Just say <laughs> something, else because you're not. This isn't working. I mean, I, frankly, I come from a country where like the range of options in governments isn't that appealing to me. And from bad to worse, so I'm I, I feel like Germans sometimes get spoiled when they they squabble about their politics or their options, like. Um, I mean, we could always hope for a better government, better future, but also, like, (laughs) come on. I mean, if I can
3: answer from, like, a German leftist perspective, the thing is that we are, like, getting closer and closer, sort of, to your model. I mean, the SPD, which is supposedly center-left, is, like, mostly indistinguishable from from the center-right CDU at this point. And so, basically, we have the Green Party and the... Uh, FTP there, and I think the Green Party is going to do what they do best, which is completely abandon all their ideals for <laughs> any option of getting into power. And so essentially, um, the FTP is going to be running the show, uh, which is deregulation, deregulation, uh, lower taxes, blah, blah, blah. That. Yeah, it's not funny. I know. it's not what it's not it's what, okay. it's not what you brought me for, but too.
0: No, no, like. it's it's totally fine. But Deborah, I mean, it's true that in terms of a mandate, the voters really didn't give any to this government because it was so split. So, what do you think this government can do in order to win favor or curry favor with the Germans?
2: I mean, because it is, you know, such a muddled result, curry favor with which Germans, you know, becomes the question. I mean, you know, I think taking a step back, I mean, having just been in the United States for a few weeks, you did have an election where, you know, the AFT lost support and all of the mainstream parties are, you know, well within sort of reasonable, moderate policies. And of course, uh, you know, you would hope for, in many cases, more progressive change or, or quicker action, but that is not uh, what the German electorate was asking for. You know, I think if anything, uh, you know, it's clear to a lot of people that Angela Merkel would have gotten a fifth term. You know, had she been running again, and Olaf Scholz, uh, not being from her party, was the, the clever one who picked up on that fact, and ran as a continuity candidate. You know, after Merkel, so I think that you'll see, you know, some tinkering around the edges, but above all, you'll see probably a continuation, at least in the direction. Um, that the previous government was going in. I think that the... Greens, you know, will be able to uh, to implement, you know, some changes. For example, getting out of coal a little bit faster than was originally planned. You know, by 2030, uh, they had to already give up on their plans for introducing a nationwide uh, speed limit. You know, so it's going to be a lot of compromise. But one thing that did, you know, strike me being in the states is how gridlock things are. And something that Georg was just mentioning, you know, the fact that the FDP is going to have a lot of power because right there the ones who kind of, you know, jumped uh, from the the right end of the spectrum to, to the left to join this coalition, you know, they may have a kind of power a little bit like, you know, Senator Manchin, you know, has right mm-hmm. now that if they say no, they really, you know, they could blow up the government at any point. So I think it, it is going to be a rockier, you know, few years to come than we've gotten used to in these 16 years of Merkel. She had a, obviously a few crises, too. And there were moments when it looked like the CSU, you know, could blow up the government but you know Germany's never had um, this kind of three-way coalition before and so um, yeah you know it's gonna it is gonna mean some changes and I think some turbulence
1: Wow that's actually what I, I meant to say <laughs> uh, I was like if you could just
0: yeah <laughs> I, I, I think I, go ahead Daniel one,
1: one of the things I for me is like Merkel's kind of the only like the leader I've ever known here and I feel like from the Americans perspective I, I think she she shifted how a lot of people, or in this time shifted the identity of what Germany is internationally into Americans. And I feel like, like Schultz is at least like, that's more like what an American uh, you know, expects, so that's uh, something that they'll, they'll enjoy again, I don't know.
0: And just to add uh, one thing for those people who might not know, the FDP are sort of what I would call the German libertarians, I guess, in a, in a way, sort of, they're liberal Democrats, I mean, they're, they're definitely for deregulation, and they are the smallest party in this coalition, so it says something mm. to say that they're going to be wielding un- uh, or disproportionate power. Sure.
2: I mean, one interesting thing about the Free Democrats is, yeah, they sort of have an image of being, you know, a bit staid, sort of, you know, the party of the dentist or you know, or something, you know. And, and this time, uh, their support amount, young voters um so voters under the age of 30 you know really increased and there were a couple reasons for that and one was this issue of of you know uh decriminalizing weed which was mentioned earlier and then also the corona policies you know that a lot of young people felt like you know their freedoms had been curbed in the interest of, of older germans which was sort of a metaphor for a lot of what goes on in this aging society with its army of older voters um and uh you know a lot of younger germans didn't have this strong sense of solidarity when it came to the coronavirus and felt really uh yeah hemmed in by these uh, restrictions and the fdp sort of softly you know pushed against them in a way mm-hmm. that some of the other parties didn't
3: mm-hmm. I feel that's kind of a cycle that we see with the FDP every like ten to twenty years is they essentially they get into power and they do all like they're for a supposedly libertarian party very crony politics of like, yeah, like being doing good stuff for dentists, car makers, (laughs) hotels, and so on. And um, then they get voted out and they completely leave all their, uh, lose all their seats and power and whatever. And just a few years later, when everybody has forgotten, they kind of latch on to what is, whatever is perceived to be the freedom issue, whether it's data privacy, legal weed, which are good things, or looser Corona restrictions, which which is a terrible thing
1: or six years ago when they yeah. were all about keeping Tegel open that okay, was the first yeah. time like, they got on my map I was like oh these guys know what they're talking about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me more they got the cool pink logo yeah I'm all about FTP and then I was like oh no no
3: <laughs> and obviously you mentioned the speed limit which I just like the speed limit is, is the German gun control it's Aha. like literally what that is. It's like a huge uh, amount of the people would be in favor of more regulations. It would like instantly lead to fewer deaths, but we can't do it because something something freedom, mm. right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, that applies to the speed limit, but also just generally the relationship with cars. You know, there is an irrational you know uh, attachment to to cars in this country, which a lot of people and and Georg just did. You know, compared that to. A large minority of of Americans obsession with with guns and resistance against um, against gun laws, and I do wonder how much the the government the new government coming in is going to be able to do to to change that It's just such a massive um, mentality issue that goes beyond policy
0: well. This is actually a good time to segue to the next topic, which is about transatlantic relations and about how Americans and Germans do things and and how they perceive each other. So I'm going to start with Georg and ask you about tensions between Americans and Germans, having been rather high in recent years, especially under Donald Trump. How do you see the relationship now under Joe Biden?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, that's tough. Um, (laughs) uh, I think there was a thing with Trump that happened with bush jr in a similar way just more so with trump which i guess it's way to describe this president Um, (laughs) so i i think in a on a subconscious level germans kind of love to have like a stereotypical dumb right-wing american president because it just um it makes it easier for us to have like a position on america because yeah no like they are dumb and fat and love guns when they have a liberal president i think we really have to face the I guess the ambiguity of the relationship. That um, yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks what you guys are doing internationally, and you have way too much power. But also, you uh, kind of uh, are the reason we even have democracy today. I personally kind of tend to cringe whenever, even like in the like run-up to Trump's election, when. Germans had this thing of like, oh, no, we've been through this. Uh, uh, Americans, uh, uh, watch out. We, the Germans, are going to tell you how democracy functions. Like, shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not really answering your question, I guess. But,
0: no, um, no, it's, a, it's the perspective, and that's what yeah, I was looking for. Um,
3: I guess now under Biden, I obviously as somebody coming more from a left position, it's like, oh, I guess it's nice that bourgeois, bourgeois democracy prevailed over fascism. But mm. and I think (laughs) from what I see in Germany I think there's a lot of indifference towards Biden it's like really we were kind of like weirdly into Trump for some of the reasons I just mentioned it was a show to say the least Um, and now it's just yeah that Biden guy whatever Daniel? Yeah I mean one of the
1: things one of the really amazing things about Germany is that politics is largely not a spectacle to be like uh, for entertainment value um and i think that that helps the political process a lot and america could be great but yeah i mean i think the attitude here is like biden sure whatever um whereas you know uh, i have a range of german friends and acquaintances but you know i had like the housemeister who's one of the only people i speak german with who um you know he under trump every time i'd see him he'd be like pew 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 trump and i was like oh cool that's the two words you know in english um <laughs> And I, I honestly, I never figured out if he meant that as a compliment or to make fun of me. Like I'm like, ah, oh, you know that uh, I mean, I expat's another thing where you just sort of freeze, and it's kind of like a smile, but your mouth is open, and you're just like, I get this conversation. Um, but you know, I, like the presidents is something that's sort of changed my relationship to Germany and vice versa. Like I remember uh, under Bush, being in Thailand, being a, I was raised to be unpatriotic, um, and I was saying something awful about my own country and like an older german tourist was like hey actually no thank you for um like defeating fascism or whatever you know he he said something not like that not like a sarcastic millennial but um you know earnest about like america's role and how he's grateful for it and i was like yeah but you know how long can we really get by on that and so like that would, but that was a moment where i was like okay there's that's that's a, that changed my view of that and then i moved here in an obama era or during, uh, after, I forget. Um, but, uh, you know, and,
0: and that well, first- Well, things started to deteriorate then. I mean, right. in terms of the tensions, they started to rise even during Obama's time. I mean, but we But during had that NSA first, scandal.
1: you know, if you were tra- an American traveling on Europe during like the beginning of the first Obama administration, you got free shots, sometimes. <laughs> like, you could just be in Prague and someone As would be like- As opposed to
0: the, explain why Trump was elected. I yeah. had to explain that so many times in the last mm. four years. Yeah, it's it's for sure. And,
1: I yeah. mean, I just tried to, you know, Germans were also like in the beginning when, when Trump was elected and I was emotionally distraught because I, didn't under, I thought something had changed in America and that that wasn't a result of everything that America was designed to be. Um, they were very sympathetic. They're like, because they saw me as someone who was like having the identity of a weirdly haired, horrible person thrust upon them. And they're like, no, I know what that's like. Uh, that's tough for you, uh, but you'll get through it. And that, that was great.
0: Deborah, do you agree with this, or, or let me ask even if, if there are any missteps that you see on the part of the Biden administration or on the part of the German administration in terms of this transatlantic dance?
2: I mean, having just been in the states and, and talking to Germans uh, all the time, and married to one, and, and uh, I have, you know, a lot of friends here who follow America closely and have deep sort of you know affectionate. Lifelong ties to the states. I mean, I think that just you know not having a toxic You know trash fire on your phone every morning when you wake up has been a massive Relief and that I think a lot of people are kind of basking a lot of Americans as well um, are, are basking in the luxury of It just you know not being quite so horrible and that you can just kind of tune it out Um, of course that's dangerous and I think it's you know discourage political participation which you know we may pay the price when the midterms uh, come around but um, you know there is this just like okay we can turn down the volume on that and that is a relief to a lot a lot of people Um, and so You know, I think the things that concern us about, um, you know, the way that the withdrawal from Afghanistan took place, which I know is an issue that's, you know, uh, very close to your heart, Soraya. various issues with, you know, submarine deals. These are things that, you know, the vast, vast majority of people don't follow. It's just a a sense of relief that someone who shares, you know, the purported values that we have here in Germany in the political scene, uh, an embracing of what's considered the mainstream um, is what most people are focused on. And I think that that also includes, you know, people in the German government. I mean, it's just not uh, front and center, uh, you know, on their list of concerns right now. Germany is very, focused inward um, as it often is um, you saw what this the, you know the issues that the election campaign were about you know it had nothing to do or very very little to do with transatlantic relations
0: that's true mm. so then let me ask this question before I open it up to the audience do you think that America is more important for Germans or that Germany is more important for Americans <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> start with Daniel <laughs> I
1: think we should start like which country is more likely to find the other on a map uh, <laughs> like that's uh,
0: uh,
1: uh, uh, not to not to play on an old trope, but I mean, America's its whole deal is America. It's uh, once once Germany can make a really good superhero movie uh, in English,
3: you know, we'll we'll pay
0: attention. Georg <laughs> yeah, you agree? We'll get the German I mean, sort
3: off. I mean, just by the fact of it's like both its political and its cultural power that uh, America has. I think we, in some sense, have to pay attention and we want to pay attention to what's happening there. Um, I guess we do owe some things, as I mentioned, the like, liberation from fascism, although Russia did do some of the heavy lifting there and Britain. But I was so amazed when like, YouTube became a thing and I could watch American comedy like, as a German with a sense of humor. That was a mind-blowing experience. I mean, I also I
1: I saw like the German brand and like Americans, especially amongst like bourgeois Americans, as uh, Georg would call them. I just call them my friends. Uh, oh, like that
3: changed a lot. Oh, so, I, by by the way, I I do identify as bourgeois. So.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh okay. Oh, that's so often people He's present as a negative <laughs> term. Um, I, you know, like when I went back to my hometown about four years ago, and you would see like the cosmetics store. It was German, you know, like then it was like the German products are the best or the kids store They wanted the German toys because they were lead-free and covered in wax and educational and like like German became a a synonymous with like nice Fancy, but not like over, you know over not French
0: (laughs) (laughs) Deborah, I'll let you have a a final word before we open it up to the audience to see if they have any questions
2: I mean, you know, I think we have no illusions about (laughs) Americans interest in in foreign policy or you know often the the broader world but Something that has been funny to observe, you know, for those of us who kind of straddle these these worlds, you know, I live here, but I am still uh, an American and keep close touch with that culture and and the people there. That it was kind of Americans who turned Angela Merkel, you know, there was this mascotization, you know, of of Merkel, and I, I feel like that that was a very American-driven thing. That people kind of clutched onto her, especially in the the Trump years, as you know, a symbol of. Um, liberal world order that may not be dead and uh, As traumatizing as the Trump years were to a lot of Americans, you know, she Shown as this kind of you know beacon, you know whether She I don't like that. Well, yeah, she called it grotesque. I mean and you know, she's she's a modest woman But she also, you know understands that she's a you know, she's a career politician and she has to make you know some sausage making uh, choices and uh, you know with the refugees of course you know that was something that will be the top line of her political obituary and uh, you know is, is in many ways her her life's work but you know she had to make some ugly compromises on that front too but uh, nevertheless you know she did embody values that just now being uh, back in the States when people were asking about what's going on in Germany everybody wanted to know you know how's Merkel what she going to be doing next? You know, is she going to disappear from the stage? Wow. So we um, have some
0: time left. If anybody has any questions they'd like to pose to the panel, this would be a great time. And okay. Uh, introduce yourself. And uh, my, <laughs> my question relates, is it okay if it's on like a different topic, like slightly different topic? It can be on a, a different topic, topic? topic, as, topic? as long. <laughs> <So>. Okay. <laughs> um, the I think biggest As to um, your impression of the German response to that, given that Germany was also involved in the withdrawal. Do you think Germans are more focused on how Germany acted in that or more focused on how America acted in that so, so just to repeat that question a little bit or to uh, uh, make a synopsis because it's not on mic, you're not on mic, um, basically uh, how the Germans view the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan, do they see it more from what America did or are they focused on what the Germans did and how that went down? And uh, who would like to take a stab at that question?
1: I-, I was really hoping Deborah would go first this time because <laughs> I always her is always better, but okay, but it called, makes sense. Like
3: we can we can make like stupid jokes yes. and then Deborah mm. comes in and like right. goes like yeah okay there were two grains of truth in there right. now let me put them into context <laughs> yeah so
2: is that how we went? I think I have the more thankless task yeah, <laughs> yes, no, oh definitely yeah.
3: no no oh yeah I, I just <laughs> came here to party you're doing all the hard work
2: I'm just sipping my mimosas yeah. and hoping for the best um <laughs> I I can definitely take that question but I feel like Soraya you know. You have reported from Afghanistan for years. You know the issue so well. And, And I, as a listener of Common Ground, would much prefer to hear your comments on that so. but but in
0: fairness the person who asked the question who happens to be my son this was not a planted <laughs> question
1: oh, was a, oh is there anyone with a QA <laughs> <laughs> oh, that handsome gentleman might have something well oh, how intelligent
2: <laughs>
0: i'm sure he doesn't want to hear from me but um yeah so i'm going to throw it back to you Deborah. Oh, <laughs> I, well i can i can jump okay, I, one thing that right, i, we can, I all weigh in. we can all weigh in, I, so. I
1: thought that was really and this this may be totally wrong and just from my perspective but it It felt like the German response to the withdrawal kind of mirrored the American one so I saw like and maybe it's just the order in which I browse my media but it felt like America started reporting oh we're messing this up we're messing this up and then like a few days later the Germans like oh we're messing it up too or you know or when you know it's sort of these photos, it was all about whose plane had how many people in it, Oh, the German one had this many people, or we did this wrong, or th- and, it, and it felt somehow like a reflection of the two coverages, from whichever perspective, if you thought it was good or bad, on the American and the German side that you sort of, it was the same conversation in a different language.
0: As if the Germans were taking their cue. And I, I would agree with that observation. Oh my god. <laughs> so you did you did very well, Daniel. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Oh. In your news debut. Yes.
3: Stefan yeah. told me ahead of time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gary, do you have any thoughts? I mean, uh,
3: sort of. I think, like, to, like, like, if we're talking about the German perspective, which is really, uh, I think, not the most important part about this whole, like, <laughs> Global political mess but um, I think Germany is still kind of adjusting to like taking part in warfare again which I remember it was when I was about 18 years old and just started to become really politically involved was the first time since the end of the Second World War that Germany was sending soldiers into another country for like uh, military actions. It was technically not a war. It was a it was a humanistic intervention or whatever they called it. But they were bombing another country or like helping to bomb another country. And at least that's the most that I've been noticing about it. Um, was kind of the first time that they had like a huge spectacle of like mem- uh, a memorial for the fallen soldiers, which for some reason they chose to do uh, at night with soldiers marching in front of the Reichstag carrying torches to military music from the 1800s so it was literally a video if you just desaturated it and increased the contrast it was indistinguishable from 1933 and then the German Ministry of Defense got like really 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 offended that people were pointing out that they had kind of staged like a sort of like Nazi-adjacent memorial in terms of uh, optics. Optics, Yeah. yeah. I, uh, well, I saw
1: that video that's on an I like, interpretation.
0: Oh, no. I don't know if I agree wholeheartedly with that. I mean, but there's no doubt that Germany remains very uncomfortable with its military past, yeah. and, and we saw some of this in Afghanistan when I was there. Uh, you know, it was it was difficult. The Germans actually uh, were in a part of the country where they were doing, and in fact, the the development strategy the Germans had, which was mm-hmm. uh, involving Afghans much more in that, they did much better, I thought, than the Americans who spent a lot more money. And got less done because they just were too busy following rules. USAID, which is the development agency in the United States, you know, they, when they would let a contract, it was less about involving local people uh, than than it was uh, when GIZ did it or back then. GdZ. So, but there's no doubt that there's still a discomfort, mm-hmm. and there's no doubt that I think uh, the Germans, uh, you know, were. I think relieved to be out of Afghanistan too because it, it's just what is it the longest war and uh, for Americans anyway and it was uh, one that had no there was no victory to be had in it anymore there were just too many mistakes that were made along the way but having said that yeah there are still I mean it's it is unfortunate that the Germans. Um, like the Americans, have not been as aggressive, in my opinion anyway, about um, uh, vulnerable peoples, and that's something, that's a big question mark, and there's still a lot of evacuations and rescues going on, and I will say that the German government has been actually doing a fair, it's slow, because this is a transitional process politically at the moment, but they are doing things to bring people, you know, here, the vulnerable populations mm-hmm. here. It just requires a lot of help of volunteers too, which is uh, something and I that, would like to add yeah, yeah go ahead, that's okay. Um, um,
3: just, just to add to my former um, thoughts is that I, I think unlike a lot of like uh, Germans on the like further left, I do kind of, I, I would love to see everything like demilitarized and so on, but I do understand that we're living in this global climate and Germany as an industrialized country that has a military has to be involved at some level realistically. Um, I just thought like, yeah, if you're going to have like a, like a military march, like do it in daylight, <laughs> lose the torches maybe, you know, optics. Sorry.
0: Do we have time for one more question? OK, oh. yeah, just I was asking Dina. So wait, we'll just let's ask one more question. Is there any, anybody else who would like to add or ask something? Can I get you to just give your first name? Sorry, my name is Aggie. Aggie? Yeah. Okay, Aggie.
3: I wanted to ask, um,
1: during the election campaign, there was a lot uh, of critique that especially came from the Green Party when it came to Germany's, or at least under Merkel's, very accommodative stance towards China. Do you think that that might change under a Schultz government, especially with their economic ties, or do you think that that won't happen? (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay, I'll take that one. I I dodged the Afghanistan one, so I'll, I'll th- God jump, God jump in with Hold on, whatever. I just want to adjust your mic. Oh, okay, it, it keeps slipping. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's not. No, it's
1: because I did the thing wrong. It's my fault.
2: <laughs> there we go. Okay. Okay, now it's quite close, but yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you know, I think that basically the answer is that we can't expect um, too much change in actual policy. I mean, there will be different noises made, and I think it's very likely that what will happen is that the finance ministry, which is the kind of biggest bone of contention right now in the coalition talks in terms of who gets what, will go to the FDP, and that the um, the Greens will get the foreign ministry. Um, and Annalena Baerbock is one of the people who's been mentioned as a likely uh, foreign minister. And her stance is when it comes to China and Russia, she does take a tougher public stance than um, than the CDU has, the Mackel did, uh, and that the SPD is, is likely to. Um, but uh, in terms of actual policy, the foreign ministry is not what it once was uh, in Germany. Basically, foreign policy, and that this is something that uh, also is part of Merkel's legacy, is uh, she took charge of that, and I think Schultz will certainly continue that, that uh, foreign policy will be conducted from the chancellery. And so I think that the Greens will be allowed to make certain noises while the actual choices being made by the government will, will be uh, with Schultz.
0: Anything from the ends here, the bookends?
2: I mean, she
1: summed it up. I mean, I would have said a lot of those words, but in a different order and <laughs> incoherently. Uh, but all of those parties do exist, and so do those politicians. <laughs> I'll verify that.
3: I can confirm that. Yes. Like, as, a, as a politically educated uh, German person, Daniel, I can, I like, they I wholeheartedly agree with what you said, and, and you too, Deborah. <laughs>
0: Um, Well, on that note, we've learned a lot today, I think. Thanks so much to my guests, AFP correspondent Deborah Cole, comedian Georg Kamara, and Fest Berlin founder and performer Daniel Stern, and uh, retired Overeater? No. What is? (laughs) I'm still doing.
1: (laughs) 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 Thank you so So, much. It's like an honor to be on this show. I really appreciate it. Thank you you for all of you.
0: Thanks, and and again, a big thanks to our senior producer Dina El Sayed, and our social media editor is Stefano Montali. Thank you to Matt Brooks, the audio engineer for today. Common Ground is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Thank you to our partners, the German Marshall Fund of the United States and the Goethe Institute. And a big thank you also to Jamie Johnson from City Starling's blog for writing about Common Ground. Check out her blog for expats in Germany. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com. Thank you everyone so much for being here.
1: This episode was recorded live at PodFest Berlin,
0: an event powered by Patreon.